everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. we're good how are you guys I'm very tired today how are you Emma I'm okay we've got level up this weekend so yeah I'm, I'm feeling good my flatmate's really unwell though and so is one of my other mates and I was like oh I feel like I'm getting a bit of a cold but he's like man down with what what with a cold well they've both said it's quite quite man flu so do women not get that? I don't know. I've not got it yet. So man flu's just flu, but they moan and complain about it more because they're men. Okay, but so I'm, I'm probably not immune then. I've definitely always been the biggest moaner in all my relationships every time I've gotten ill. So I don't think man, I mean, I get man flu. <laughs> yeah. What's the B, the big B in the background? Yes, I should probably talk about that because that is a massive Bitcoin sign. Okay. Sure. Why? Not mine. Um, because my flatmate is putting on a Bitcoin conference. Oh. He was like walking around Edinburgh with that. I guess as like a conversation starter. Fine. I can't. Yeah. I honestly can't think of anything worse than going to a Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think for most people, that's pretty low down on the old priority list. But I guess if you're in it, like it's almost like a bit of a cult, isn't it? Like once you're properly in it, like if. I don't think many people are like, oh, yeah, I quite enjoy Bitcoin, but I'm not that fussed about it. Like people are either like, this is everything or they're like, no, it's the worst thing ever. It's like Marmite, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. I'm pretty indifferent. <laughs> I'm, just well, like, okay, yeah. I'm just a bit like, oh, because, you know, like I, I would say, hmm, let me think. You know, like when you go on holiday and you like talk, you get talking to people, you know, you just get talking to people. I would say like, 50% of the time now if you get talking to like a random usually man usually they're male it will like almost immediately come onto bitcoin like crypto and you can't get out of the conversation and it's like no I, I do I don't care <laughs> like please stop talking to me about this but like James loves it he like what's that other thing as well that like universe that that like techie universe where it's you web find... three what web three no hyperverse something like that and you can buy and sell like Banksy paintings in there but it's like all yeah. online but the money's real I don't understand it and they all talk about that now and I'm like I don't know what's happening to the world it all. is it will be interesting to see how I can't remember what they're called now NFTs I think yes NFTs that's yeah. it but I guess what's interesting about it and it will it will probably impact this next generation is that some people have and obviously you can in certain like situations or when the market's right like make a ridiculous amount of money doing nothing oh yeah and you must think you know like even with our generation well definitely with our generation but you couldn't make money without doing something you know like it was like you need to go to work and it was just pretty much like drilled in from the start like you need to get an education you need to go to work like this is how life is this is how the world works now you can't really say that because there's two things it's like social currency of actually the amount of followers you have might impact your your income as well definitely and then there's also like bitcoin and stuff where people are making 
a ridiculous amount of money essentially doing nothing and kind of getting lucky and now like that's a complete like just in case anyone's listening I'm sure there are very like there are extremely intelligent people doing it and doing it in different ways but there are also people that kind of got in at the start didn't really do much and now have made a lot of money and I just wonder how that will impact people mentally like oh well I don't have to do anything or it kind of like degrades work because like well why would I want to get paid 15 pounds an hour now when sometimes I can make like hundreds of thousands online in a day but it's always been like that with any kind of I suppose trading or banking I mean while I say that a lot of my friends are in that industry or I should say James's friends and they do all work really really hard it's it's just not what we would deem work but they're still dedicating hours of their week to being what was I going to say with bitcoin can you take it out whenever you want it or like yeah but it but I feel like isn't it really hard to get it in money to transfer it into isn't there like a bit of a hurdle in the middle between I think yeah at, at the moment one of the big barriers to people investing in it is it's not that obvious how to do it And then you're like, you need to have like a special wallet, which is taken off the blockchain. And then this needs to transfer into this. And like no bank accounts really like you transferring into Bitcoin. So they're like, they'll put blocks up. And then like, so there is barriers, which in some ways people claim is a good thing. Because then it's like, you can be an early adopter if you're willing to kind of put in the effort, which is essentially doing a little bit of research and like whatever, then you might long-term if this becomes a big thing end up very well off from it because it it will obviously get easier and then it's just like putting money into a bank account I think it is getting easier and easier with different apps and things I just can't even begin to get my head around it therefore (laughs) I elect to stay out of it yeah Um, I just listen to what Jordan says like this is a this is like a bitcoin card you can actually just pay for stuff with bitcoin now well that's good I mean that makes it more real to me you know how I already feel about money and economy and monopoly money anyway I feel like yeah. I'm just adding, adding to it I just don't trust I don't yeah anyway okay so let's get to the questions right okay let me get them up um Maggie's just said is it nfts yes well done yeah. do you know what I love because this happened in the last episode as well we should keep doing these you know when we think of something and we don't know what the answer is and we're like oh what is it and you can tell that people listening to the podcast are like screaming it NFTs and like whatever whoever you were trying to think of last time Rosemary Connolly yeah apparently people were like screaming it yeah because one of our clients was like um oh I I didn't know that she did workouts as well I thought she just did food and then I was like hang on have I got that wrong but so many people dm'd me I was like no she definitely did do workouts although can I actually clear up something I did get wrong when I had one of my biggest EC method rants ever and I went in hard at Cosmopolitan magazine it wasn't Cosmopolitan magazine that I was talking about it was glamour and now I feel really bad I don't feel that bad (laughs) I've been up all night (laughs) thinking about it I get stuff like I say awful it's worse when it's to do with like health and fitness or pregnancy stuff I'm always like I say the wrong word and then I hear it back and I'm like no (laughs) oh do you know there's a podcast I listen to that does like a fact check at the end yeah we could be bothered to do that but like they have someone else come in and they're like they might be like when Emma said this many people were in the study actually it was only 300 people in the study or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. kind of like fact check stuff we need that and then I wouldn't get sued and we wouldn't have to edit it 
based on based on our own private knowledge what was I going to say though um yeah it's the worst it's the worst when you when I listen to something back and I hear that I've said a word wrong or I've said I've misspoken a fact or a stat oh my god that keeps me up for like no genuinely keeps me awake for days at a time I hate that oh okay right are you ready yeah no pressure but don't get any words wrong (laughs) Catherine first question Sorry, first question this round. Having reflected on stuff, I think I'm at a spot right now where I'm not sure I have the headspace to focus on fat loss. I've bounced around from the 81 mark with 12 kilogram loss and dropping two dress sizes since joining in April. Well done. Wow. Um, for the last two rounds with very little effort other than non-negotiables. Okay, so she's basically stuck around the 81 kilogram mark after that weight loss. No, wait, didn't she say she's come down from 81 or she's come down to 81? She's come down to 81. And then for the last two rounds, she's kind of just stuck to her non-negotiables, has been consistent and has stayed that way. And she says, and in reality, I feel great. People are commenting on how great I look. And I'm wondering if that's enough, quote unquote, right now. New job, trying to settle in with some HRT and life feels enough at the moment. Does anyone else feel like that? want to stay with you guys for when I am ready and I will be pushing to the sub 80 kilograms and beyond it sounds silly but okay if I just bounce along for the ride FOMO will mean I couldn't stay away and not wanting to go backwards not really sure what I'm asking I guess is there a spot for someone in my situation and that and what are your thoughts on how to keep goals relevant and motivating enough or does that itself put me under more pressure than the lifestyle of just the two ramble over love you guys great question um there are lots to talk about to be honest so, so much to unpack there's so much there so okay first of all yes it's very normal that you've, you've obviously had a targeted fat loss phase and and by that i mean you've really focused on you know being in a negative energy balance you talk about your non-negotiables you talk about obviously hitting your calories obviously hitting your 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 steps or your your neat however you're quantifying that and and smashing your workouts and you've gone into this like fat loss fat loss fat loss it goes without saying that inevitably um you're going to run out of steam mentally you'll get to a point where you're like oh okay yeah it's it, you're putting that pressure on yourself with the goal of fat loss and when you put that pressure on yourself with a goal everybody at some point is going to run out of steam so that's normal um and it goes without saying as well that life is constantly in flux. And as you say, you've now just started HRT, which we all know. It's a, well, not we all know, but many of us know. It's a process of, you know, um, trial and error a lot in the beginning. And it's, it's, it's taxing on the body. You're talking about exogenous hormones and it's, it's you know, you're going to go through it. That takes precedence. You talk about how you've got a new job. That that comes to the fore. And all of a sudden, this big goal isn't the most important thing in your life. And you, you naturally and kind of organically want to and do take your foot off the gas. All of this is normal and natural and makes sense. Now, it might surprise you that I actually think this is a big mindset thing that you're experiencing where you feel like you need to take your foot off the gas mentally, a fat loss goal, fat loss goal. Because actually, if you're hitting, let's say, your 1,800 calories and your 70k step target a week and your three workouts a week this is a healthy amount of food this is a healthy amount of expenditure and this is really a health goal and at 81 kgs 
you're also going to get the benefit of a natural byproduct of fat loss. So even if you just carried on with the health non-negotiables, which you say you're already doing, you would likely find that you continue to drop weight. Now it might slow down because you're not really gunning for it anymore, but you'd still be dropping weight. I actually think what you the, the break that you're talking about needing is this mental push of a fat loss goal. But actually, if you stick to your health non-negotiables, you're going to continue to get fat loss regardless. And that's my answer. Yeah, I totally agree. I think just taking the pressure off. If you want to say, do you know what? I'm just going to stick to these targets. I'm going to focus on my actions and whatever happens to weight happens to weight. You're still erring on the side of actually quite a significant deficit. Mm-hmm then as Chloe's saying, like you will lose fat, but without putting that level of pressure on yourself. Mm -hmm. And that can be fatiguing. And a lot of the times that's actually what trips you up. Mm -hmm. That kind of mindset around putting that pressure on yourself then telling yourself you can't have that and then you have to have this. And that gets, yeah, like that can become tiring after a period of time. And you've obviously been dieting and losing body fat for a period of time. If you just take the pressure off that, and I would say that everyone should be doing this and focus on the actions then the outcome kind of takes care of itself in regards to like can you stay yes of course you can like we talk about this all the time but maintenance is the end goal like that's the most important goal of them all like this certainly isn't just about losing body fat and it doesn't mean that you then I don't know have to have specific performance goals or hypertrophy goals like if you want those great but it sounds like you've come to like a really nice balance in your life and if you want to push on at some point you absolutely can but it's actually really impressive. I don't know if you've given yourself enough credit for the fact that you've lost 12 kilograms. I mean, insane. And you've maintained it. Yeah. Without that. And it sounds like you're just enjoying your life and it's not that much effort. And you're kind of like ticking these boxes. And as Chloe's saying, like these health outcomes of, you know, the things that you're doing are massive and you can't see them, but your future self will certainly be grateful that you are doing them. And yeah, like I guess the, the point I want to make is like it's not just a fat loss group. And like if you want to stay so much of the benefit from the easy method is like having a group of people who all want the best for you, having yeah. two coaches on your team that, you know, if you do feel like you need to reach out, you can reach out. And a lot of the time, like we've got longer term clients who, you know, sometimes don't even need to reach out in a whole round because they're like, yeah, I'm taking stuff along. It's going really, really well. But then actually they might find there's a two or three week period where they really need quite a lot of support and that that's yeah. fine that's the coaching relationship and think about any other relationship you have in your life it's quite similar like I'm not saying we're like your parents right but if you think about like your relationship with your parents you might have times where like you're not relying on them they're not relying on you for particularly much and then actually there are periods where you spend a lot of time together and maybe you do need a lot of like support from them and vice versa so yeah I wouldn't worry about that and you are always welcome here yeah, I agree with that. I like that analogy of like, yeah, relationships in your life. Sometimes you really lean on people and sometimes you don't need that as much. It's such a good point. Okay, great. Ellie, I've been really good with the morning routine and slowly seeing progress with the elbows in push-ups. I've got four full ones this morning and the other six were only knees down for the upward part. Okay, yeah, I get you. Um, so my other mini goal alongside general gym workouts is a pull-up. Should I concentrate on pull-ups hand over bar or chin-ups hand under bar? As I know chin-ups are easier. Also, I'm using a band. Should I just do 10 a day every day, like the push-up routine, or gradually until I gradually see progress? 
at the moment I can only do about three using the green band. So with um, chin-ups and pull-ups, like I would, if you really want to start seeing progress and you're getting about three reps, I would probably do like three sets of three reps with like a bit of rest in between. If you, if you were going to do that as like a daily thing, like part of your morning routine kind of thing. And also I would vary the grip. Like I do some chin-ups, I do some pull-ups, I do some neutral grip. And that's because you can. Yeah, but so, I mean, you'd practice all of them, right? Yeah, I do. But what I but I would say if she's like, no, I have a goal to do whatever, a pull-up or a chin-up or whatever, I wouldn't say vary it because you're going to find that trying to progress one of them is going to get harder because like, as you say, some of them are harder and some of them are easier. So you'll exhaust you'll exhaust quicker let's say if you so you would start with a with a uh like a wide grip pull up and then you're going to find that the chin up's harder to do or vice versa and it's like just why does that matter if you're practicing if you're training no because she she says she's got a goal of being able to do an unassisted pull up or chin up no like that's the, that's the goal well, she says pull up but yeah i mean you i mean you'll get you will get to the result quicker doing a chin up but yeah you can still practice all of them I mean I would say start with the easiest one and then progress from there like stack the goal so be like I guess neutral grip is the easy one I don't really do neutral grip pull-ups but I think they are the easiest because you're working different muscles doing a chin-up than you are a pull-up if you only ever did chin-ups then you know you yeah, would be better practicing pull-ups as well yeah but they'll still cross over I mean I personally would be like okay focus on one be like I'm gonna start by aiming to do I don't know five unassisted neutral grip pull-ups like keep it like keep the goal specific and work towards that and I would do like a warm-up set with a really assisted band or if you're on the assisted machine at the gym with a really assisted weight warm-up set of just like I don't know a few reps just a handful of reps to get your body warmed up then I would do your hardest working set after that and see how much you can do can you do one completely unassisted in which case that's great or can you do, you know, two with a little bit of assistance, whatever. And then your third set, as Emma said, be more of like a hypertrophy kind of, you know, typical hypertrophy set where you would kind of typically hit technical failure around about that, you know, 10 to 12 rep mark. Um, and I would aim to progress until you can basically do three sets of five pull up and then jump to the next hard one of like a chin up and then jump to the put because the wide grip pull-ups I mean they're no joke I mean Emma what's your you've you've got an amazing video of you smashing those out and I was like go on that's hard well yeah it's all I can do though because I can't do it <laughs> I can only do it when I'm really really like I can do it I can do like wait three maybe unassisted but I can only do proper like sets and reps of them unassisted when I'm really lean and so I don't know if I'll ever be able to do them again yeah I used to find that and then I yeah. thought that's like in a way I mean it's not cheating is it but like it kind of is a little bit I was like I'm definitely significantly weaker you know like max out strength but yeah. obviously I'm so much lighter then I could do more but so that was kind of my goal with like staying around maintenance yeah. We're supposed to do more pull-ups, but not lose any weight. Because then it's actually, it's quite impressive, isn't it? It's so impressive. Like, James is probably bigger now than I think he's ever been. And I was just watching him while I was doing my, like, core work at the gym the other day. I was just watching him smash out unassisted pull-ups. And I was like, 
fuck me that is he is strong I'm so jealous <laughs> you know what like a big heavy rugby player man doing pull-ups is impressive very impressive yeah I and he was like oh I could only do like 10 or whatever and I was like fuck off <laughs> yeah only 10 right okay. Vicky I usually do gym workouts but like the home workouts for when I've not got childcare. okay is it a problem to break them up while breaking up arguments slash making snacks, sorry, while breaking up arguments, yeah, slash making snacks, is there a disadvantage to this? No, no, as long as you're training your body evenly um, and, you know, you're trying to, you know, for example, if you, I don't know, you don't say if you have weights at home, but doing like uh, a, pu- a push workout or like an upper body workout at home would probably be the better option and then doing like a back workout or a pull workout or a lower body workout at the gym doing the bigger heavier options at the gym and, and the easier kind of lighter weights at home um would be good and and no it, it won't I I've always switched it up like that Emma what do you think I agree but I actually don't think that's what she was asking oh sorry Emma. <laughs> so I think well I mean that is kind of part of the question or like reassurance of that but I think she means when she's at home with the kids that's why she's breaking up arguments and making snacks and stuff for the kids oh her workout so is there a disadvantage to this like technically yeah but is the disadvantage more than the outcome of just not doing the workout no like you're still going to get probably 95 percent of the benefit of the workout even if you have to break up an argument with your kids in between and come back and finish the set like it's not it's certainly not the end of the world if that's the the situation that you're in in theory it doesn't make you know like you might not be able to a train as hard b kind of be focused c reach absolute failure in the same way if you're breaking up the workouts a little bit you could claim maybe you know you can argue this both ways you could say actually do you know what if i if i was two sets of push-ups into my four sets of push-ups and then I had to go and make my kids some snacks and then I came back it might have given me long enough that I'd actually do more press-ups push-ups in the next two sets because I've had a bit of a break and I've recovered more and that might mean more total volume and thus better hypertrophy but then you can kind of argue it the other way of would you actually reach muscular fatigue and then yeah so I mean basically because there's arguments either way it doesn't massively matter and if that's how it fits into your life great and well done for just getting it done and not being like I can't do it yeah I agree it it, I think it will affect the workout you'll feel that it does unless you can as Emma said time it strategically so I do this with Bodhi when I'm because I'm at my parents house still now and when I'm doing my like core I have to do my physio basically um pretty much every day or every other day and she's going through a, a period where she's she's got a growth spurt and a developmental leap and she just screams. She just screams and screams and screams. So what I try and do when she kind of is interrupting, I still have to do sets and reps. I mean, it's pretty boring, but I still have to do it. Is that I just try and time it that I will try and either comfort her or, or set up a distraction for her in my rest periods. So trying to time it like that is much more beneficial than being halfway through a set and then having to put everything down and go and tend to the kids. Try and manipulate the kids and be like, if you let me get through my workouts without having a complete meltdown together, then at the end of the week, we'll go to McDonald's and I'll get you a happy meal, whatever. I mean, 
<laughs> talk about food behaviors, manipulating children with junk food, probably not the best thing for your coach to be saying, but find a way to try and puppeteer them into behavior. Don't you think like this might also show my like lack of understanding of children, <laughs> but you can kind of make, especially if they're young enough, you can make anything exciting for kids. So you could say like the McDonald's or you could be like, and if you're really good, we'll get to go for a walk after this. And then we're like, oh. <laughs> like, because no. they're, they're like dogs in that. Like, if you're like, oh my God, this is going to happen. They're like so excited. But uh, absolutely not. Absolutely. I, I think it would work. <laughs> my brother used to beat the shit out of me growing up. Like it was a gen, that sentence is not hyperbolic, nor is it dramatic or false. Oh, my brother used to strangle me. Yeah, like it was a huge problem and it ended really badly, but I won't talk about it because he doesn't like it when I talk about it, but it ended really badly for him. <laughs> and he never touched me again, ever. Um, but there was no, there was nothing. I mean, I say try and manipulate them with a McDonald's. I think they, that my parents did do that, to be honest. That's probably why I'm saying it. There was nothing, though, really, that my parents could do to stop it. That's why it had to have the awful ending that it had in order for it to stop, because it went on for years and years and years. There was nothing. Oh, having two kids really scares me. <laughs> yeah, but I think also they'll, you know, entertain each other as well. How old's your brother again? Am I might see older or younger? Younger. Yeah three and a half years older older yeah. and you you guys used to like physical fight proper yeah. Yeah. do you know what's so strange he is now like it, you'd really struggle to get like there's no aggression in him whatsoever I mean there isn't in me either which is interesting because I like when I was younger I was maybe a little, like hot-headed a little bit hot. and he would like he I could wind him up I, I was an annoying as hell little sister so it was probably that but I could wind him up so quickly and he would just flip and now he's just like really really calm unless we're having like a family debate then everyone gets really heated yeah. my, my brother's still a psycho but it just manifests itself a bit differently now he's a bit more passive aggressive than like aggressive aggressive <laughs> but he's still a psycho sometimes that's worse <laughs> yeah okay um i was wondering if you've come across any convincing evidence to suggest that a more plant-based diet would be beneficial for someone going through the menopause. My main issues are around sleep and fatigue, um, partially because of a lack of sleep, but also sometimes menopausal crushing fatigue. Um, admittedly, my diet is very meat heavy. So just wondering if there was a case for me to try and change up a bit. Okay, so in answer to like the first part of your question, well I mean technically probably not but there is benefits to having a, like a healthy diet and actually a more plant-based diet is generally a healthier diet um there's quite a lot of research around phyto phytoestrogens which I never know is a t it's a f isn't it not a th I don't know I, I've never even tried to pronounce it just read oh, it well, but it's ph <laughs> so that's just a confusing sound for me anyway um but they're not it's not very conclusive and depending on your sort of hormonal situation, it might be something that you would want to include or avoid um, and would probably make minimal difference anyway. But what certainly will help is including much more like fruit, veg, and like a, just a generally healthier diet. So the, the healthiest diet is the Mediterranean-based diet. So if you're thinking, how can I improve my current symptoms of menopause? The best thing you could possibly do is move towards a more Mediterranean-based diet, which is less meat, more veg, um more sort of like healthy fats and yeah and and it's quite like it's a nice inclusive diet it's not like don't have this don't have that don't have that 
it's like the balance of oh, is what is important but I do think that if your diet is pretty like meat heavy actually replacing some of that for more fruit and veg would would probably help yeah I was just going to say that it's it's actually absolutely fair to say that having more plant-based foods in your diet is going to improve your symptoms of a lot a lot of struggles that you might be facing whether it's fatigue or whether it's you know uh return colds do you know what I mean like it's you're going to be uh basically improving your nutrition and getting a benefit of that but it's not so much about the cutting out meat as it is about the including more fruit and vegetables and whole grains that's the that's the ticket it's not that I cut out x it's I ate more y so just yeah you can have your your meat eaters diet um just try and include more plant-based foods yeah I think that's a really good point because there is you know people do cherry pick research showing you know vegans are healthier or vegetarians are healthier and exactly as Chloe's saying it's not necessarily because they don't eat meat it's because they do tend to eat more of the good healthy stuff exactly that's what makes the big difference so you don't have to go to the extreme of being a vegan or a vegetarian to get the health benefits of being a vegan or a vegetarian yeah okay becky hi clamor i'm interested in your thoughts on exercise for cardiovascular health i've been reflecting on how this program is going and i wonder if it's something i could be missing for example i reckon i could pick up a heavy box from all my resistance training but i struggle to run for the bus are the circuits at the end of the gym workouts enough or are there things I could do? Sprints on the bike, etc. I hate running, don't make me run. My family has a history of arrhythmia and so heart health is something I'm thinking more and more about. Thank you for being you and all round great, loving the EC method. Um, I'll let our Emma answer the, the gym workout question because they're her workouts, but yeah, you should be doing some uh, cardiovascular activity and that doesn't apply to every, well, <laughs> we get into contentious waters. As a coach, yes, I like my clients to be doing a little bit of cardio, um, whether they're in fat loss maintenance or if they're actively trying to gain muscle. It's just it looks different depending on what the goal is. Um, but yeah, it is important to cardiovascular fitness. And yes, any if any you have any kind of genetic heart disorders running in your family, it's important that you more than anyone do it. And I'm the same heart disease ones in my family. Um, you don't have to run anything. You can do anything you want. Um, and yeah, I would highly recommend it, but I don't know about the workouts because those are Emma's. Emma? So at the end of the workouts, there is like a little finisher, which will probably leave you quite hot and sweaty. So you are going to be working your cardiovascular system pretty hard. Like anytime you're kind of out of breath and your heart rate's elevated. The other thing is like resistance training will improve your cardiovascular fitness. Yeah. Not as much as specific cardiovascular training. So that probably is something I would include. And I, I think that in fitness, we're often a little bit like black and white around these things. Like weights are better than cardio. Well, like they're too it's like saying like, yeah, no, like apples are better than oranges. Like have both. If you like both, have both. If you want the benefits of resistance training and cardio, like do a bit of both, mix it up a little bit. The reason we don't have specific set cardio is because from a fat loss perspective, like it, you can use it as a tool for sure. But it, I think it's been kind of overused and people don't tend to enjoy it. And I would say if you're doing it for the reasons that you've stated, I probably wouldn't be doing the typical long, slow duration type work. And I'd be doing more like, like you've actually said, like sprints on the bike kind of work. 
where yeah. you're really sort of taxing your cardiovascular system and then bringing it back down in between. I completely agree. Like it, it, specificity should reflect the goal. So, you know, if, if it is cardiovascular fitness you want here, yeah, I would really be switching it up actually, to be honest, between your different intensities. Um, but if, if let's say, you know, if somebody had the goal of, of gaining as much muscle as possible, I'd still want them doing cardio, but it would be more like less or miss. Um, and it, it would, it would, it would look markedly different from someone who actively wanted to improve their, their fitness. Agreed. Okay. I don't know if this is Mika or a different name, but anyway, if it's wrong. Spell it. Spell it. M-E-I-K-A. Oh yeah, Micah maybe? M-E-I. Maybe you can, you can tell us. Okay. Hi ladies, currently on holiday in Turkey. So I've managed to do so I've managed to catch alive, keeping up with my commitment to the EC method, getting my gym workouts in each morning, and I have a huge choice of food as about an all-inclusive. It's about balance though, watching your drink, watching oh, watching you drinking a nice beer while sat by the pool sunbathing. Oh love that. Love well that. Okay. Right. Help. How can I stop snacking? I lift heavy, walk 12,000 steps a day and I'm at maintenance calories, but I'm always hungry. Yeah, this is, this is a really common thing. Um, so I always say this to clients in terms of like practical tips, eat every three hours, set your alarm on your phone and eat every three hours. You can have a snack, like you could have a protein bar or I don't know, a pot of Greek yogurt or, you know, a packet of crisps, whatever, if it fits your calories and you're nailing your protein and, you know, fruit and veg intake, whatever you want. But you, you have to make sure that you have one snack, not snacking continuously throughout the course of the day. Um, and if you actually structure it so that you're eating meals, like, like satiating meals every three hours, you'll find that you feel satiated throughout the course of the day and you don't feel the need to reach for snacks, which aren't going to fill you up at all. Um, and it's just a habit thing. It's just about changing the habit. But that's a really nice practical tip of how to change the habit. Um, I, yeah, I, and I, I don't think I pretty much have like a 100% success rate of clients who implement that and manage to nip the snacking in the bud. Mm. And sometimes uh, like it's how you define a snack, right? Yeah. And actually, if you just have, because obviously that's eating potentially more meals than what people normally would. So instead of calling them snacks, they're calling them meals and they're probably going to bulk them out a little bit more and they're probably going to, have more of a routine around them so they're not running through the kitchen grabbing something and then yeah. going off and doing something else while they're distracted they're like oh no I'm having my meal because it's been three hours or whatever and they're going to sit down and they're going to actually enjoy it and appreciate it and there's no issue with snacking aside from the fact that it's often mindless yeah and then you kind of get about it and then so much of the satiety signals that we actually get from food don't just come from the calories in it or the macronutrient breakdown or like the physiological impact but you saying to yourself like I've had this meal like you remembering that and there's really cool research showing that before like so they take people in and what do they do? they they ask half the group to talk about the lunch that they had a couple of hours ago so let's say this is like kind of evening time they're like tell me what you had for lunch and they're literally just saying this is what I had for lunch and then they're given a, a dinner of which you can you know they call it ad lib like eat as much as you want and then the other group they don't ask them anything they're just given a dinner and the people who recalled what they ate for lunch ate significantly less than yeah. the 
who didn't recall, right? And the only difference is that you've actually thought, oh, right, well, I've already had this, this, and this. And like, you're remembering that. Yeah. Now, if instead of lunch, you'd just been snacking, I'm willing to bet you'd be like, oh, I didn't have lunch. I've not eaten today. And it's like, you have eaten today. Yeah. You've, just, yeah. you've not registered it. You've not sat down and like thought about it and enjoyed it and actually considered it. And hunger signals come from that as well, not just physically what's going into your body. Bang on point, amazing point um, raised by MC. And also, that, don't forget, like if you were to have a snack of, I don't know, a chocolate bar, a packet of crisps or whatever you would quantify or you know, qualify as your snack, you could easily have a meal for the exact same amount of calories that is going to be more macronutrient friendly, which is a bit of an annoying time, but there you go. Um, much more satiating. So you could say, so let's say 300 calories for a packet of crisps and a piece of fruit. I don't know. You could probably have like a big prawn stir fry for those exact calories, except now you're getting in all your fiber, you're going to be extremely full and you've just nailed a protein intake for the day. And and sorry, but I personally, as far as now it's getting colder, I'd rather have a big hot bowl of something than like, you know, some fried crisp in a silver packet. Also, now they take up like this much space in the packet, which is bullshit. God. <clears throat> um, okay, I have a, a thought that I had this week. I was discussing this with Amelia and we were talking about how some people say like, oh, I'm just like, I'm just a hungry person. Like I'm just hungrier than other people, right? Yeah, and it yeah. got me thinking, like, you don't know that. Yeah. Like, there's just this assumption of, like, you've never felt what someone else feels. Now, right. we might assume that, like, maybe I have slightly lower hunger levels than someone who really struggles with their weight and is obese, but you don't actually know that. Yeah, it's like, true. There's theory behind it, but I do think it can become a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy if you tell yourself, oh, I'm just a hungry person, like, all the time. And then you're, like, realistically you can't compare that to anything like that actually might just be normal hunger levels yeah that's such a good point I was like who when I had Brad Schoenfeld on the podcast and he was like um yeah when people have said that they've like hit their genetic ceiling he's like what re, what evidence is there to show that that person could not continue to gain muscle for the rest of their lives like if they kept going he's like there isn't any he was like it's just this weird like kind of ceiling the self-creative ceiling that we all talk about he was like there's, there's no there's no such thing and I was like that's such a good point that and I mean what's interesting is like there, there obviously is such a thing right but no one's anywhere near it like no, it's actually it. not like especially not us and like our clients like maybe elite level athletes might be quite close to their genetic potential but like we have and I think that's quite empowering like there's so far to go like actually your genetics aren't limiting you right now might make things a little bit harder for some people but they're certainly not like if you want to get in shape then there isn't it's not an ability problem like you can oh. you are capable of doing that if you want to break a world record for something like you might not be able to do that right no. <laughs> you just want to get in shape like you're completely capable yeah but I also do think though like there's varying degrees of that or you know what it is it's more like when people are like they look at a body or a specific person and they're like I want to look like that person and it's like well that's never going to happen but you can still get yeah. in bank and shape shockingly you can't actually morph into someone else the amount but of clients I've had though, I've had so many clients show me photos of or even reference James or even reference me when I've been shredded and been like, that's what I want to look like. It's like, yeah, that's never going to happen. I have no idea what you're going to look like when you get in 
in your aesthetic shape. Um, well, like you kind of, you're like, you will still look like you with less body fat and more muscle. <laughs> yeah. You can't, people are like, I want to have a teeny tiny waist. It's like, mm, I could get like, if, if, if there's body fat to lose, we can give you a much smaller waist. I don't know if we can get you like a teeny tiny waist. Like, I don't know if you're built like that. Like, we just don't know. Um, but it's, I think it's important to remember that, but also remember exactly what Emmy's saying. Like, that doesn't mean you cannot get an amazing shape for your body. Like, it's, yeah, it's not a limiting thing. Mm. Okay, Emma, at work and, and tried to interrupt me whilst listening. And I said, sorry, let me come back to you. I need to listen to this. It's an important work call I'm listening to. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's, that's dedication, Emma. Well done. Okay, Vicky. Hi, I got back from holiday last night and stupidly weighed this morning. What do we always tell you? Yeah. What do we always tell you, Vicky? Anyway, she says, I put two pounds on, which really isn't that bad. <laughs> I know I shouldn't have weighed. How do you get over the disappointment of the gain, especially when I've been so good on holiday? So the reason that we don't tell you to weigh is because there are so many things that could be impacting your weight at the moment. Like it could be water retention from the plane. It could be, to be honest, I think a lot of the time it's the fact that you're slightly out of routine and that actually normally impacts your bowel habits as well, which means oh, that, yeah. you know what, when you've been traveling, maybe you haven't actually been to the toilet as frequently as you normally do and the foods are different and it might be saltier and richer and maybe more carbs like all of these things the reason we tell you to wait seven days and get back on track is because that's a realistic weight then so if in seven days you weigh two pounds more hey maybe some of that is body fat but right now there's literally no like there is no point thinking about it in the slightest so I wouldn't even bother completely agree nothing to add don't do that again and if you're listening <laughs> Don't you do it either. It's just going to throw you. Don't do that again. <laughs> Don't do that again. And also, you say you're so good on holiday. There you go. There's your answer. It's not, you haven't gained yeah. body fat. If you know you were good on holiday, you haven't gained body fat. Okay. Um, we've actually got to the end of the question. So I'm going to my question box questions. Oh, fab. What are your questions box questions? Just the ones on Instagram. Oh, okay. Fine. Why not? um some of the you know don't you think you get the weirdest ones on instagram what are your thoughts on chewing gum oh they mean because of a sweetness in it maybe or sometimes people link it to like not eating and then eating disorders i guess um uh, like instead I, of eating just eat chewing gum kind of thing yeah i mean i i love a piece of gum <laughs> and yeah, no, big fan of a piece of chewing gum now and again big fan of a piece of gum if you're if you're using it as a as a crutch, I would maybe assess your diet and and have a look at, you know, I mean, I know that when I was like extreme dieting and, and getting in cra crazy lean shape, like definitely use chewing gum as a crutch. Um, and if uh, you don't need to do that, like if that's not what the job requires, then maybe you need to look at increasing your calories or maybe bringing back in some of your favorite foods that you might have cut out. Um, that are only going to see you trip up in the long run but aside from that totally fine and I really wouldn't worry about the sweetener side of things it's not a problem no not not in like but do you know what though? some people do just constantly eat chewing gum and that might be a bit of a problem maybe from like the laxative effects more than anything but you probably don't want like well, it's an it's all the toll, isn't it 
huh? sorbitol is the is is what has the the laxative effect on uh i yeah. swallowed some the other day breathed in and i was like oh. i always swallow gum by accident and then i'm like i just remember being a kid and those like urban it's, legends it takes eight years Does it actually- I, it? I can't believe that's true let me see how can we get some fact checking on the on the how long fact check how long does gum stay um in your GI tract and where does it healthline says less than seven days healthline's reliable most of the time I've definitely read some questionable things on there about green tea (laughs) (laughs) yeah it says we've all heard um that if you swallow gum it will stay in your stomach for seven years this is pure folklore there we go and probably comes from gum being labeled by manufacturers as indigestible um that's two podcasts in a row we've said the word folklore which i just feel is odd (laughs) is it yeah oh okay right let's go back to the questions um talking about steps today and i was asked if it would be less if you're tall the answer is no right is it is it so we say this if you listen to my podcast episode on um fat loss I talk, I discussed this in there there's so many things that are going to affect you know how many calories you burn when you hit 10,000 steps and that does come down to how tall are you how short are you the terrain how fast are you walking how fit are you already how much body fat do you have on you how much muscle mass do you have on you and round and round we go um and it does all affect how many calories you will burn hitting that many steps in a day or a week or whatever um but, you know, as Emma and I always say, we don't want to get bogged down in these silly little details. We just want to give you kind of a target that we know is going to work for the, the mean. So the majority of people, the average. Um, and as long as you're doing that, fine. But yeah, you know, are you going to burn more calories hitting 10,000 steps in a day if you're five foot than you would if you were six foot? Yeah, you will. Well, yeah, you will. Yeah, you would. Well, again, it depends. No, again, you wouldn't. I think it might be the other way. I was just thinking about this because like total distance, maybe. So like if you were taller, you'd cover more distance because you'd have a, high, a longer stride length. Yeah. If you, you'd probably be heavier. So you'd probably burn more. Well, that's why I'm thinking it depends on weight as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely depends on weight. I'd say the biggest impactor is weight. Is it 100%? 100 Well, and terrain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, yeah, this is what I mean. Round and round we go. Just don't worry about it, guys. <laughs> but then is it cheating if you had like a tiny, tiny stride? Nah. Anyway, yeah, probably don't need to overthink it. But in theory, yeah, the more mass that you're carrying per step, probably. I can't believe the royal family and well I can with the with the armed forces because they're trained but like Prince Charles is like 70 what all that walking I was like go on how far did he walk I mean pretty fucking far over the course of that many days as well constantly marching behind oh, really? I was like yeah I was so impressed anyway I mean some of them were collapsing and stuff weren't they yeah the the what the symbolic bodyguards around the the coffin 
because they have to stand there like you don't see all those big lights because it's being televised as well mm. be like beaming heat down on them in those hats and the 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 outfits i don't know what they're what are they called the like uniform uniform, yeah. uniform. <laughs> their outfits for like de- like hours and hours without water or anything and also with your head bowed down oh who's in yeah. the room jordan is that jordan's b yeah <laughs> jordan's not well though okay. how are you feeling very good you're all right <laughs> yeah <laughs> You look, yeah. you look fine. You're out and about. Right. <laughs> You're fine. You're I not fine. <laughs> I feel like I'm dying. Um, <laughs> at some point, when you're feeling better, you can tell us how you take out Bitcoin money into real money because we don't understand that bit. <laughs> Do you not want to put it into Bitcoin? <laughs> oh, I like that. No, no, I'm like, how can I get my money out of Bitcoin? <laughs> Anyone that's listening to this and actually wants to know about Bitcoin, what's your podcast called? Uh, the Bitcoin Collective podcast there you go because we've definitely said a lot of things that probably aren't right aren't right about bitcoin Uh (laughs) so if you want some actual information that's where you go um okay well i think we've got to the end of the the although this one is basically for you steps are steps right which must have come from you and then it says um does it matter whether you're walking outside or on a treadmill well, no, it doesn't matter. But obviously, like, you know, if it again, it depends if you're you could make it harder if you're an incline on doing a fast pace on a treadmill. That's I like to do that kind of cardio, if I'm honest. Um, but then if you're outside, obviously the terrain's much more unpredictable. You know, you probably have to engage. You know what? I can't even speak today. I'm trying so hard to get through my sentences and it's just not working. Do you know what I've enjoyed? I think you've said terrain about five <laughs> times. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am operating on no sleep. Like, just, I, I know what I'm trying to say. I just am finding the words really hard. Yeah, the, I, I think actually walking outside tends to be harder than walking on a treadmill. So if you want to make it equal, I would put the incline up to like two, I think is what people say. Unless you're walking like downhill outside and uphill on a treadmill. Yeah, true. Although downhill is quite hard as well. It's quite jarring, isn't it? I don't like it. <laughs> I don't want <laughs> oh fuck honestly I don't know how I'm gonna function like going forward in life I mean I enjoy it right so if you're listening to this <laughs> next week you will be able to sign up if you're a grad you can sign up now um next week we will open to the waiting list and then we will open to the wider world yes and Chloe will be back Hopefully with a little bit more, you know, speech capability. Articulousness. Yeah, that, that word. Okay. Bye guys. <laughs>